what up guys welcome to today's podcast of the undialed um podcast series on undialed tv today we have a cool guest cool guest introduce yourself my name is logan schneider um i'm a youtuber scooter rider scooter enthusiast and uh yeah that's me heck yeah so tell me about your intro to scootering where did it all start how did it begin in detail if there's any like parts of the story that you could go a little bit more in depth into don't gloss over i want you to tell me like how the chain of events happened what was the beginning of the butterfly effect it's a bit fuzzy because there's parts that my dad tells me about that i'm like i don't even remember that because i started so young i was like seven so i remember well, first off, how old are you? I am 17 years old. I'm about to turn 18 on this scooter trip that I'm on. We'll probably get into that later, but I'm 17 currently. But um, I started, well, I remember this like very vividly. I don't know why I was really young. Driving by the skate park and I was like, I want to go there because we moved to a new house and there's this local park that we drive by. It was on the main road. And, um, my parents were like, maybe when you're older. I don't remember that. But then... Uh, so there was the skate park that was kind of a notorious place in your mind that you'd pass by all the time. Yeah. And, and it was like, that wasn't a place that identified, in the future, I'm going to go here. That was the initial seed planted. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then eventually my dad told me I went to the skate park on a bike. I don't remember that. But I'd go to the skate park on my bike and then I saw someone on a scooter. I wanted a scooter, so... I remember then vividly for my seventh, uh, when I was seven years old, Christmas, I got a Razor Ultra Pro, uh, Ultra Pro, and that's where it all started. I went to the skate park the very next day. It was raining, and I was like, I don't care. I want to ride this scooter. I'm so excited. I remember the smell. Like, if I smelled that again, that would be an instant, like, thing to my to my brain to, to that moment when I got the scooter. I was so excited. And where is all this taking place? Uh, in Sacramento at my grandma's houses. She's the one that got me a scooter. Gotcha. Yeah. And then uh, Rush Skate Park in Sacramento. Shout out all the boys. Um, that's the skate park that I went to. And then I remember distinctively, like, uh, the the people I looked up to around that time was, like, Denver Herzing, um, Kenny Griffin, Ricky Cox, people like that. Epic boys. Yes. And uh, they went to Rush pretty often. So. That was like the park aside from Epic. Like the, the They'd go to Epic, obviously, for the main sessions. But if there was any other skate parks in their videos, it would always just be Rush. Mm -hmm. And that little like quarter to bank thing in the back of Rush. Yeah, exactly. The clamshell. The clamshell, yeah. And they'd always nose Manny around the bowl, stuff like that. It was very popular back then. It was like nose Manny's foot jam, stuff like that. But that's the people I looked up to, and I didn't go to Epic until I didn't even know about Epic until my friend who scootered less than me had a birthday party there. And I went there, I was like, "What the heck? This place is crazy!" And um, <laughs> I went there, I was like, "This is so sick!" And it was kind of a drive; it was like twenty, thirty minutes. But I went there a couple times throughout my youth until, unfortunately, it closed down. It closed down, unfortunately. That was a real big bummer in my childhood because I like where I grew up, I was pretty close to you actually. I was in the Bay Area, which was like an hour and a half, two hours away from SAC or specifically Rockland. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Epic was a really good intro park for me as well. I mm -hmm. feel like that's where I met 
That's right. I saw the first gathering of scooter riders ever in my life. At was, the comps? It was actually like the Mad Gear tour. <laughs> really? Yeah. But that was that was definitely a big motivator for my scootering career as well. Epic was such a rock within Northern California scootering. Yeah, it was. Coda went there pretty often. And, you know, the Epic comps had every pro rider. Like, like there's pro riders now, like OGs and stuff. I was like, I can't believe, like, I just, like, saw them when I was, like, a kid at Epic. And it was like... I didn't really know who I was really talking to and stuff like that. Like Capron was still on his bars that were to his knees. and He still is. Yeah. And Jordan Robles was like an infant, but still jumping the grass gap there. If you guys know what the Carlsbad grass gap thing is there. Jordan always catches me off guard because in my mind, Jordan's like the best nine-year-old in the world, <laughs> right? And then I see him and I'm like, you're like 18 now. I like, know, it's crazy. <laughs> or you're 16 or whatever you are. But it's just funny. To, like, I feel like I've watched that, in kids, that kid's childhood like into adulthood. Yes. And I grew up around the same age. So it was like, I still feel like I watched his childhood too. It was, you know, the whole, he had like growing up with Night Dakota. sponsor me. Remember that? Yeah. His big video. Uh-huh. Yeah. I could have sworn he, like, I saw him on a, like, one of those commercials for, like, pills where it's, like, and then they have, like, the videos of the families in the background and stuff. It's, like, this pill is good for you for blah, blah, blah. I'm, like, is that Jordan? And I never asked him about it. I don't know why that came up right now, but that was just another random vivid memory sitting in the front of the TV when I was, like, eight. But um, back to my whole story of getting into scootering. All right, so you go to Epic as a kid. You have this wonderful experience. Then what? Then, you know, I still went to Rush. It's five minutes from my house, so that was the main place. Epic wasn't a very often type of thing. It happened, you know, on events, like, for my birthday or something like that. I was young, so. Um, I grew up at Rush, got older. Um, Unfortunately, when I was young, scooter parts were very, very heavy, so it was hard for me to progress because, you know, I had had Rasta Twan Knot Bars and a AO Epsilon deck. You had the Twan Knot Bars? The Rasta ones. Oh. I don't know if you know what they are. Oh, I know. I, I know exactly what bars those are. What like what what inspired you? What inspired I you? I loved to get- Rasta <laughs> as a kid. Everything was always Rasta themed. Everything I had Rasta uh, kendama, Rasta like scooter. But I- the bars, yes, they looked awful. Like I don't know why I love them. I know I know Twan ain't watching this, so I can just say it. Those bars are probably the worst scooter bars that have ever been released. And just I I, I, I get it. They're like. There's a heart in them. It's just like... I didn't even know it was a heart. I just liked them because they were Rasta. <laughs> Do you know why they're called Twan Knot? You know what, yeah, because it's upside, uh, backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I would I'd spit that fact to everyone at the skate park. Did you know that my bar is Twan, but the other side is not, and it's backwards? You could say it both ways. I was like... But you can't <laughs> even find those that, that bar on Google, like uh, images. Like I tried. I yeah, tried I'm to, trying to find it right now, but there's nothing. There's Urban Art Rasta bars, but that's about it. I will I will send a picture of them, and they're still in my garage, and you guys can put it up on the screen if you want. They're just Anthony Bustos signature bars. Oh, actually, I got a picture of Tuan. <coughs> oh, it's just a picture of Tuan. That's it. <laughs> that's all it is. Yeah, but the whole idea behind them was the they're the bars that loved you back because they just had a heart in them, and. You know, I've drawn hearts on my scooter before. You know, I've been there. 
But like, yo, when the heart compromises the use of the scooter, that's, there's no point. Those, there's been a lot of bad scooter bars. I feel like recently there hasn't been that many bad scooter bars. But like over the course of scootering, damn, there's been some bad ones. Do you want me to go over some of the OG parts I had? Sure. I did the infamous grenade clamp, which is 10 pounds alone. So, Tuan nut bars, grenade clamp, and green, obviously, because it's Rasta themed. You didn't have the Rasta one. Hmm? Wasn't, it, wasn't there a, no No, one. there was not. There was not a Rasta grenade clamp. I would have had it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. And I then, think I'm just thinking of somebody's scooter that was Rasta themed with the grenade on it. Yeah. But yeah, go on. I don't know why I loved Rasta so much. I don't know. But um, then I had, at one point, at first I had the Phoenix the very, one of the very first phoenix decks and it was in green and the phoenix standard deck um or the phoenix integrated so, deck so this is what i was told so when i bought the deck i think they sent me like a, some kind of prototype or something because someone came up to, or let me start so right when the p cutout one came out um yeah, the very deck. first one yeah. yeah so uh i wanted that one so i ordered it and then they sent me the wrong deck what, which and one was it? It was basically the same exact deck with no cutout. And it, it's in like this light green. I've never seen that color. Anyone else have it? And I was at Epic riding it. And some kid came up to me. He's like, how do you have the, the team deck? And I was like, I have the team deck. I don't I've never fact checked that, but I have a green hmm. Phoenix, like P cutout deck with no P cutout. I was actually upset about it because I wanted the P cutout. I thought the cutout was so cool but because that was sick yeah i was like so i was like that's cool i want that um and then what I kind of fork you got phoenix bulky i don't remember the name of it. the wedge forks probably that sounds like the right name for well, it. there's the forks the p-h-o-r-x which is the best product name a scooter company is out of every single scooter product ever released the phoenix forks coolest name it literally says like the name of the brand in mm -hmm. the name of the part, but specifies it so clearly. Genius. But go on. Yes. Um, and then I had green on black Phoenix wheels. I again don't remember the name of the wheels. I was Those wheels were kind of bad. Yeah, they were really. They bad. were just slow. They lasted forever, but they were just slow. Yeah, they did last forever. Uh, the urethane was very hard. I actually mm -hmm. tried to put them on again, like once I was better and older, and they just super slippery, no grip, like. It was bad, but um, then I switched to an AO Epsilon deck in red with the with the grind plates. So again, um, if you guys know any of these parts, really heavy, and a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old should not be riding these parts, especially if you know they're not cut down or whatever. A hey, low key though, the Epsilon deck with no grind plate, that thing was light. That thing was so light. I rode that for a while. If you didn't have a grind plate on your Epsilon, that deck was stupid light. Maybe I should have done that. You should have. I think my parents would have got mad at me because they're like, that defeats the whole purpose. You wanted the grind plates. Yeah. I hope that there's some version of like a grind plate that comes back into scootering. Like, I hope that a scooter company has the balls to release a grind, like a plastic bottom scooter deck that you could why replace. Why did that not take off? Do you know why? I, it didn't take off because. Well, hold on. We actually have one right here. Clayton, can you pass me the AO, AO Epsilon? It's right above you. No, 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 no. that's the attic deck. <laughs> the, the white plastic. Yep, that one. Dude, I'm so bad at scooter parts. Especially old ones. 
it's the one with the plastic bottom like we just <laughs> but here it is folks we got it um dang i really hope that at some point another company releases something like it this. doesn't look bad like it it's practical so here's here's my guess um of why this is not came back i i think i think that uh, this thing i feel like this really has potential man I, like it would just need to be done in a way where once the grind plate is thrashed it like you could replace it within like seconds like if it could just like be this click in or something exactly like it would it would i feel like it would have to work well with like um why why would it have to be within seconds though i feel like just for drop-ins are complicated sometimes and stuff like that and you always have to work why would grind plates not not I, be able to just be something you can screw apart and re-put in i feel like this particular one though the fact that there's three five allen key spots and then you have to like slide it on this track mm-hmm that that they that the deck makes and then you have to have these deck ends i feel like i feel like if you were to potentially ride this deck without the grind plate and scratch the the track area then you wouldn't be able to like slide maybe this new plate into it um i feel like once and that could happen if a kid had one of these grind plates had it for a long time just grinded all the way through it and then went to go put a new one on and if it didn't function well and that way, I feel like that could be an issue. But I feel like in an ideal world, you'd have the ability to have several different types of bottoms that you could choose to work with. And I know Proto Scooters did that back in the day. I just, I just would, I would just love to see a brand attempt to bring back this style of deck. And I think if anyone did it, it would be AO. Just because I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I bet that this deck right here is made out of the same. If you guys don't know, AO is owned by Sunshine Distribution. And Sunshine Distribution also owns Razors, Skates, and a lots of rollerblade companies. So I'm assuming that the sole plates that they make the rollerblades out of is the exact same plastic as like this bottom of the the bottom of the deck. That makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, that would make sense, yeah. So I feel like if anyone was to do it, it would just be AO again. Yeah. Because they have that connection. Yeah, I feel like it, that could still work. I always wondered that over the years, like why, why did that never take off? Because it doesn't seem like it's a bad idea. That deck is heavy. You feel how heavy that deck is? Yeah, it's really heavy. That deck is heavy, and I feel like, I feel like if they were able to make it lighter, if they were able to like, I guess it would. You could have like, I'm just imagining like a universal grind plate that any deck could like have but i guess initially it would have to be just like one company that standardizes it but i feel like a really nice way that it can like lock onto the deck that would be quick efficient accessibility to the grind plates that would be easy so that way like you always it's not like you were worried about running out of them and i also feel like you need to make it in a way that the deck would be light enough that it would compete Eat when it has the deck when it has like the the grind plate on it it would need to compete with the weight of decks that don't have any grind plates yeah i think um modern decks now with a grind plate i think could easily alone be a lot lighter like ao has evolved so much since back then look how basic the head tube was mm-hmm. like and all their decks back then had basic head tubes like a 
back then my friend uh and team manager now edgar gaboliosis you know uh, i traded him two of those decks for uh one ethic pandemonium deck or not ethic pandemonium. edgar for two? ethic lindworm deck v1 not, not pandemonium you, you traded edgar to yeah the, to those decks yeah like when when you were a kid when or? i went to epic still yeah. dang you're exposing him don't tell andy <laughs> he rode for uh, AO back then. Tra- Did he? Yeah. I don't think he rode for him at the time. Probably not at the time then. It was it was a long time ago. It was like yeah. right when the the Linworm came out, and I was thinking in my head when he was trading me because it was like two decks and some other things. Because I was like one of the few people with the Linworm deck. Mm-hmm. He traded me, and I was just like, you know what? Like, I kind of like this AO deck more, and I have two of them now. So bang bang. Yeah. Uh, so like i was saying like the the head tubes back then were super basic like i feel like even with the new t-storm and dill morrison head tube design and just the metal they use now it's totally different um i think at least um and just how much they've evolved if they did a grind plate now it'd easily be 10 times better i feel like something that's interesting about scootering though i feel like i feel like the sound of scooters is very cool to people Dude, I talk about this a lot. I shouldn't be exposing my idea, but ASMR scootering would take off, I feel like, for ASMR people. Like, the sound of grinds is so... But see, that might get... That would be taken away with the grind plate. Yeah, but, like, even just wheels riding on on the ground, just in general, just skate park noises in general, even skateboards, like, the sound of it, it's super pleasing. I, I shouldn't expose my idea, but I've never acted on it, so... So well, now you have to act on it, yeah. so that way no one steals it. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, I need to get a mic or something. But I feel like one thing that I know, like, street riders really love is the sound of a deck grinding on, like, a ledge. Yes. And I feel really like, good. imagine putting out, like, a promo where it's just silent. It's just, like, hop on a ledge, like, like plastic noise. You know it's what like, I mean? It's like a marketing thing for the deck, like Tesla with the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like people, like, the, the uh, like, the... The street riders, the the street riders who are like very classic with what they like to do, they'd be like, no, the like core riders, yeah, the core riders, they would just be like, no, this is awful. <laughs> you know? it's like the core like car fan base, same thing. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, and it's like, but you can do more with it. <laughs> it's just like no sound, because I like I feel like can't feel the can't feel the scooter, can't feel the feel the car. Drive. exactly no that's what it, that's what it would be yeah. so odd it glides it's not supposed to glide it's supposed to crunch <laughs> so you're on the road right now um yes. you're you're at you're in currently in arizona obviously because you're here in the flesh um how did you get to this point what does like your last year look like of with scootering dude so it's been basically everything has been off of the whole youtube thing is like i went to germany for the entire summer because run it back a second yeah what's describe youtube thing in logan schneider terms okay how YouTube did it, thing um youtube started with me having a gopro randomly going to the skate park i'm like i want to film a warm-ups video i film it um i had fun it was like the, the park was kind of empty and i i like talked to my gopro as it was a person and it felt like i was riding with someone i'm not 
you know, I'm fortunate enough to have riding friends at the skate park. I know a lot of people don't have that, but just alone, it felt like I was riding with someone and it was kind of cool to commentate and ride at the same time. I was like, I kind of like this. So I, I edited it and I had a lot of problems with editing and stuff because I didn't have any programs. I didn't have iMovie. I used this really crappy Asus co laptop and, uh, some random editing software I bought at Best Buy in like a box. I don't know why I did that, but everyone starts somewhere and then I edited it, put it up, made a thumbnail where I just put giant text saying warm-ups on it. And after that, I put out random other videos, um, inconsistently. And then I was like, I, I think this is fun. I'm going to make an upload schedule do every Monday. And ever since I made that upload schedule, it's been consistent from there. And I've been doing it for like two years now. Nice. It's kind of crazy to say two years. I've always said one year and it's now it's two years. It doesn't feel that long. I'm currently standing at like 30,000 subscribers, which is unreal. But a lot of that came from a, uh, skater fight video, unfortunately, which means my videos get pushed out to a lot of people that watch skater fight videos instead of screw riders. But that's a different thing. I'm going to get into that. But then I consistently started so on YouTube. If your goal isn't skater fight videos, what is it? Scootering. I love scootering. It's like, um, you know, I love just strapping on my GoPro and riding around and talking. And I feel like I've started to become a little bit more entertaining and knowing the ropes of YouTube. And uh, I'm just hoping it starts to really take off soon. I've been putting in a lot of work, a lot of hours, especially on the road. We started we start traveling and it's it's really hard to travel and do all this stuff but i'm i'm doing it so what's been some challenges that you've came across that you didn't expect on the road mm -hmm. or just in the youtube adventure in youtube endeavor um staying on top of the upload schedule it's very uh very stressful at times there's times where you know i'm like i've became so adamant about posting at my upload schedule time um so i'll be like you know i went to germany for the entire summer and i i uh was at a beer garden and there's no wi-fi or service and i was like i have to post tell my grandpa like this is my job i got i have to post so we went to like the owner and they said they have like a private wi-fi literally connected the wi-fi sat in the like part where they fill up the drinks and posted like that that was a big thing is like always being at the right place to to post because I don't know why I'm so hard on myself about certain things but I am I'm super um, into you know self discipline and, and posting at that time like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it but that was a big challenge is always you know finding a right place to post and uh, editing you know obviously is a whole thing in its own learning doing new things, um, watch time, getting, getting higher retention rates and stuff like that. But YouTube has been mostly fun. And if there's something I'm leaving out, I'm going to think about it in like two hours and be like, Oh, that was a, that was a challenge. But that's what I could think of off the top of my head. So a little bit deeper than just YouTube, you're, what I meant by the YouTube endeavor is like, Right now, you're you're in the process of trying to create a career out of scootering and using YouTube as a, at least one revenue source, mm -hmm. um, and your foot in the door to the scootering world. Yeah. Th that's what you're doing. 
through your adventure to becoming a a professional scooter rider, someone whose profession is scootering, what other challenges have you came across? Not specifically just YouTube, but just like navigating yourself through the scooter world. Um, connections. Yeah, I think it's important in uh, meeting the right people and having conversations and learning how to talk to people and creating a relationship with someone. Um, starting to be a little bit more well-known in the higher category of scootering. What I mean by that is like, a, you know, the people that are on the top right now, pros such as yourself and uh, actually putting a name to a face. You know, everyone has that, knows that person on Instagram. It's like, oh, that's Logan. It's like, but you meet him in person, you don't even know who it is. Putting a name to his face and actually going out, talking to people. It's, it's just, you know, I don't, I never know what to say just to be like, yo, what's up, Will, how are you? It's like, good, I'm gonna go drop in. It's like, yo, Will. So you, yeah, think, it's, you think it's tough making connections with certain people because you don't know how to approach them in the real, real life world versus like social media? Yeah, but I've learned now. You, you actually like you... helped me with that. You, we had a very long conversation about that. That's true at the AZ Grind Comp. Yep. Yeah, that, that actually helped me a lot. I talked to a lot of people after that. Yeah, because what did I tell you? You told me to talk about something other than scootering to, you know, break the ice because everyone, every pro rider is like, oh, uh, what's your best trick or, you know, random things like that about scootering. And it's what they repeat 24-7. But if you ask, you know, Chris Ferris, like, yo, so what's your workout routine? Catches him off guard. And it literally did. We went under the ramp. He's like, what? come under here what do you want to know like that's literally how it went mm -hmm. so uh it's pretty cool well what i like to think about too is when i found that a lot of the reasons people have particular styles or scooter a certain way or the, are the person they are in scootering there's usually there's an outside factor that's pushing that a little bit <clears throat> i feel like for me it's art for chris it's personal fitness for Clayton, it's adrenaline. It's like everyone has their own like motives behind it. You know what I mean? I feel like everyone has like a little bit of, has a little bit of everything, but I feel like there's one specific thing people kind of excel in with, within scootering that's not necessarily scootering. And I feel like if you can figure out what that thing is with people and discuss that thing, it just, it creates a good connection between riders. Yeah. Ever since we had that conversation, I've actually, uh, you know, I started applying that to everything and I've actually became very skilled in talking and approaching people. And I was, I feel like a people person, like, you know, I always have the GoPro on my face and it's like people get uncomfortable when someone's vlogging. It's like, I talk, go up and I talk to them. I'm like, Hey, what's up? Like, I feel like I go to the skate park and have conversations about scootering almost more than I'm actually riding. Like, I just like meeting people, meeting new people. That's my favorite thing about scootering now, I, especially with travel in Germany. I was like, you know, there'll, there'll be a kid trying a kickless over a box or something. He'll, he'll be looking at me and I'll be riding and stuff and I'll go up to him. I'm like, Hey, what's up? Like, you should try to get this for the video. And then we have like, a, you know, we talk and it's really cool. Like meeting people all over the world, no matter what, it's just, it's my favorite thing now. So what's uh, some some goals that you want to accomplish in scootering? Um, Just off the top of your head. Off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know if this is within scootering, but I definitely want to become a millionaire. Uh, that's, 
I don't know why it's been a recent goal of mine. I've really gotten into entrepreneurship, business and stuff like that. And I, I, I've became passionate for it. So, um, I'd love to blend my two passions together and somehow make a, a career with a lot of, like making money to where I'm comfortable and stuff yeah within scootering that so that's a big goal of mine is uh creating wealth and um just uh gr growing my youtube channel is really important to me i i've put so much effort into it and i don't think i'll ever stop until i've accomplished that goal it's really a lot of a lot of time and and energy that goes into something like that so those those are my main two goals. Become a millionaire and become big on YouTube. Yeah. I don't want to sound like like oh everything's about money. It's not. It's just like it's a passion of mine. And I hate how like uh I know you brought this up on other podcasts. I hate how frowned upon making money in scootering is. It it makes me upset. It's like dude you need money to live. You need money to, uh, like you say, fuel the sport. Mm -hmm. And money's the gasoline to life. Exactly. So I just want to be able to eat Chipotle burritos and not have a second thought. Or as Landon said, you know, Chick-fil-A sandwiches with cheese on them. True. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like money within scootering is a sensitive topic just because there's not a lot of money in scootering right now so the money so it's kind of just like everyone has their certain opinion of where that money should flow to mm -hmm. and when it doesn't go their way they're like well then money just shouldn't be in scootering yeah. you know like that's just like at the root of the day like i feel like that's just the root of it um but if scootering like didn't make kids into millionaires in the future i'd be really bummed out you know like i want that to happen i feel like that's like the ultimate goal is that there is hundreds or if not thousands of people that make w good livable wages and or excessive wages from scootering because that's such a such a motivator on so many levels um if competitions had bigger prize pools mm -hmm. if if salaries within scootering could be high if potentially like sports betting got into scootering, just more money flowing through would be the best. And because money attracts money, that's just followers attract followers. It's just, it's just how energy moves. And I don't, I think those goals are good. You know what I mean? Like, I think those, those goals are good, but what, what specifically within scootering and the scootering community, what goals do you want to accomplish in that realm in that realm mm -hmm. um that's a good question uh definitely like you know tony hawk like funds skate parks a lot mm -hmm. goes around build skate parks stuff like that i think like what would you do with your millions of dollars if you did achieve it literally like uh Build, build skate park and not skate parks i'm not gonna call them skate parks action sports facilities scoot parks no i i want to have like places where all wheels are welcome and there's we can't repeat the pattern that skateboarding exactly done. yeah um 
so yeah just action sports facilities all over and uh building facilities for all types of riders uh, i think you know what i noticed in germany there's a bunch of parks being built in germany right now they're all street plazas i had to drive i had to take the train four hours to a skate park that had a box jump which that was a fun experience but i think every um part of of a skate park should be in those skate parks and i want to fund um you know just just companies so and competitions and things like that kind of like what code is doing i don't know if i'm not going to get into that that's a touchy subject with the action space but i want to do that but like you know real with uh funding competitions and making sure pro riders get paid very well because they're literally putting their lives on the line for what five grand ten grand if they're if it's a good competition like that is not the health insurance like you know what i mean it's just a, a competition i know it's again it's not all about the money but it's a it's a huge factor if if you want to live off of scootering and i think a, a big prize purse to for a competition would be sick you know what i mean so that's what i want to fund within scootering skate parks and competitions and uh street leagues and stuff like that i think sls like street leagues should be a thing in scootering havasu would be a great place to do that they've I done think. it before yeah the, the king of street or whatever sovereign street and sovereign street um you've brought up many times you want to fund competitions and fund <laughs> skate parks that are all around skate parks that that have a little bit of everything is there anything from your perspective that are wrong with competitions right now aside from the prize pool money there you can get deep into that because of the whole structure get deep into we, it we, the whole structure we have right now with um with not even having a real governing body you know everyone's fighting over urban world series isf um you know united scoot is trying to become the one of america stuff like that yeah but um i i just think that we need a a all-around governing body that is structured and actually have a you know distinct this is who is the world's best not you know urban extreme barcelona's world's best and then isf's world best it's all split up i think that's what's the the main issue right now i think that's going to resolve itself within the next year just to because it'll all play out see who becomes the top dog but that's the main thing but i know you're meaning more the structure of competitions um i think it's actually pretty good i think uh the way ronka did it was really good with having um judges they all have like linked computers and then they have like the first run scores on the computer and then they uh after a while they did heats so like the az grind comp did this everyone's in heats of five so you know it goes that and then you don't get like you know if there's 80 riders in a bracket you don't have to go all the way through 80 and then it's you again and you're not warmed up i think that that was a really good move i think uh uh a lot of competitions don't do where the the judges are spread out throughout throughout the park they don't do that they all sit in one spot 
I think mm-hmm. that needs to be changed. I know ISF, I'm, I'm pretty sure, does that or uh, like Extreme Barcelona or something. I'm pretty sure they have spread out judges. I don't think so. I really? think they're also sitting in one spot, yeah. Like, you don't see every angle. You don't see every perspective. I think for specifically Extreme Barcelona, they have so many cameras on it that they're able to, like, view it from multiple viewpoints. Mm-hmm. But all when, I, when I've been to ISA in the past or the Extreme Barcelona competitions, all the judges are just sitting next to each other at a picnic table. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's good. I think uh, if they have a lot of cameras, obviously they can replay it. I think it should be broken down a lot more, um, such as like roommates run. Uh, that was pretty whack that he got the same score in both runs, even though he had a visibly better run the second time around. Yeah, yeah. That what what did you think about Worlds this year? Um, From your perspective. I think it was cool. I or, I guess is it world's extreme 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 Barcelona yeah. competition. I think it was sick. Um, they did invite only, but if you really contacted them and you're like, I want to be in this, like if you really fought for it, you could be in it. Um, I'm really proud of my boy Hunter coming out of Vacaville. He's been working his ass off, and he he finally did it. Not only in. Um, the the mega ramp contest but he also did it did really good in the the park contest and every other person on the on the mega ramp had access to a mega ramp except for hunter like they have the our willy land they have the uh, was it richard zelinka's was that hunter's first time on a ramp that size i'm not sure i so he's been training at woodward tahoe i dropped a video training for worlds video um a, you know kind of like codas do you remember that blew up yeah, I kind of got inspired by that and wanted to do one for Hunter since it's his first real world's world's competition. So you're talking about Coda's video at Adre- Adrenaline yes. Alley, right? Yeah, the one. The, oh yeah, that was stupid at the time. But it blew up, and I was like, dude, that that's actually cool. That like you know a training for worlds video, but I'm gonna try to like make it different because I didn't remember how stupid it was because I was little. But I watched it back. I was like, damn, like it's literally there's no music. It's just kind of like no that video. Footage. That video was insane. That was the first quad kickless ever. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite part about that video, it was all just response to Dylan Morrison Instagram post. Cause Dylan was like talking crap and that was when like the whole like storm thing. And that's, mm-hmm. that was the world's Clayton guys <laughs> tornado name as well. Really? That was the same year. Nice. But yeah, um, Hunter just trained at Woodward Tahoe. That was his, his spot. So, we filmed that video and I was super proud of him. He did really good. But I think Worlds this year went well. They did invite only because of COVID, which I think is fine. COVID kind of just messed up yeah. all, like, the, the natural entry of that comp. Yeah, and everyone, you know, went and everyone killed it. So I have no complaints of that competition. Yeah, I think they did well. Nice. What did you think of, like, the course layout and individual events did you think like that that was the proper setup for how scootering should be displayed in the park one Mm -hmm. or the street one or the mega like do you think those are good platforms for, for scooters to compete on no why um i think they almost nailed it with the park comp i think i think every one of those competitions they they all have the same style layout i feel like they should do something else i don't know i feel like uh it doesn't have it, this year it had flow but the box went into a bank which is really difficult for and goofy riders had to downside 
regular riders had to hit a quarter to bank. And I think the box jump they did this year with like the how it kind of like curved up and then is a roller. I think that was really good. That was a good change. Um, I don't like how there's so many like thick, thick spines. I don't think that works well with scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the one what was the one that blew up on Scooter Brad's channel. Was that 2017? When whenever you look up scooter competition, the one with like the rainbow on the ground. There was like that rainbow stripe or whatever it was. Was it that year or was it the black ramps where it was the sketchy step up? I think both of those did well, but I think uh, that layout was a little bit better. You know, I think it was bigger. I think mm-hmm. that was cool. I'm glad that they did it outside again. Uh, in 2019, they had it inside. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it didn't feel the same. It just felt like, how weird. I feel like there's, there's, it just felt empty in a way, but it was like, I feel like there's something about being at the place where they are, the, the forum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like that, that nice, like, it's next to the water. It's like at iconic spots um it's just an outdoor venue and i feel like outdoor venues have a little bit different of a vibe the way that like the the way that the seats are all set up it like amplifies the noise really nicely and i think that's a cool touch as well as just the overall scenery it just creates a vibe yeah unfortunately the street got uh rained out so everyone, yeah. everyone's complaining like why isn't it indoors they uh they finished it up the next day but it was never televised or anything. Mm-hmm. It didn't change the standings of it, though. <laughs> really? Everything was the same? Lucas well, just... Yeah, Lucas went killer. Yeah. I watched his run. His run was insane. Yeah, it was awesome. He had ended up jumping over that thing. And yeah, I know. Yeah. That was so wild. When I was fell at, down. When I was doing the live stream announcing for that, I was I was caught so off guard. I was <laughs> like, is he all good? Like, yeah. That'd be so awkward. It looked like he like, fell under an umbrella. Yeah, it was, that'd be so awkward to finish like your really good run and then like... Eat Fall over a fence and break your leg. That would suck. <laughs> that that would be unfortunate. But he ran around the corner like, yeah. Yeah. His run was incredible. It's incredible that those style of tricks are being implemented in a comp, comp runs. They're so hard. I think they should, uh, you're asking about the, the layout, I think, for the street one. They should literally just copy what they're doing with the do tour type parks, the skate ones, the, you know, those street skate competitions. Those are great layouts for street riders. There's everything. Mm-hmm. Euros, gabs. I feel like the what the setup they have now is really easy to take up and take down yeah. for events. I feel like the street league ones are very like like they're way more artistic and and cooler. I feel like the street street plaza, like it it gets the job done. You know what I mean? Like it works for sure. But I feel like if the street riders had like a little bit more of a of a funky course because i feel like the one they have now is pretty cookie cutter it's just kind of like two of the same rail on every side mm-hmm. i feel like if they're able to have like every rail be unique or ledges downloads yeah some some way that like people aren't just riding back and forth there's no way to ride that course other than back and forth those directions yeah you know what i mean i guess somebody could ride it like didn't they have a street comp when they had the rush park yeah uh, world didn't that go crazy yeah yeah that went super and crazy. that had a real street layout mm-hmm. i remember there was this it's like the the real street like uh I, I forgot the name of them it's like the bank with the rail that hops over like uh it's like a bank that goes up like this and then uh yeah yeah, yeah. at uh at, at um rush they had those yeah. like weird like um rail hop things yeah 
and the bump the, to the, bars. Yeah, yeah, the bump to bars, and those worked well. I feel yeah. like get creative and some crazy stuff can go down. I think interesting obstacles like that do good if it's like a real street spot. But yeah, that was that's my thoughts on on worlds. Is your, is your goal to go to worlds one day? I mean, of course, you know, I, I grew up watching it. I'd love to do it. I ride in competitions too. It's, it's not where I put a hundred percent of my energy, but I've been, been focusing my energy towards it. And I'd, uh, I'd love to go to worlds that that'd be such an awesome experience. I not the best in the world at scootering, but I'd love to be on the you know top 80 list that they had this year. That'd be so cool. So, yeah, but so if, where does most of your energy within scootering go towards? YouTube? Yeah, YouTube. YouTube. So it's very time-consuming. I know you've done YouTube, you know. Why YouTube over, like, competitions or um, Instagram or TikTok? Why YouTube? Because it's an actual career path I can follow that has structure to it, sort of. You know, that can't really live off of competitions or Instagram. Ten seconds of fame on Instagram isn't... Some people make their career off Instagram. Like, oh, there's plenty of scooter riders out there who, who make who make money through their sponsors just because of their Instagram and yeah. promotional ads. Stuff like yeah, that. I feel like in order to like really do it as your career, you have to do every aspect of it fully to the best of your ability. <laughs> it's like the only the only way I think you can make it successfully. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I've been trying to branch out. I do YouTube, been trying to, uh, you know, do little things on the side, clothing, stickers, other stuff I can't talk about, but it will be out soon. Where do you hope to travel in, within scootering? Um, as a kid, I always wanted to go to Australia. With, uh, with COVID, Australia isn't really looking too good right now, but um, I'd love to go to Denmark um what what's some of your favorite countries you visited for scootering or for Both. just um I'd say the uk is really great for scootering adrenaline alley is amazing um do you like the vibes there like outside of scootering just uk vibes i like other places more than the uk the uk is just kind of boring yeah like low-key it's like the indoors are really good. There's good spots there, but it's like it's not the most beautiful scenery, you know. Yeah, the, that's you never hear you never hear people talking about like like the sunsets in London. You know what I mean? Like, it's very like, rainy it's just, there. It's just gray, like, like yeah. and but like they have great skate parks, you know. Um, and I feel like the architecture in other parts of Europe is a little bit cooler than the UK. Um, and that makes for six street spots. Um, I think that Barcelona is a really awesome place because it's very beautiful there, but it's, it has a lot of spots. Um, uh, France. France is is very, like, I like France a lot. It's really good for street. The parks are a little bit mm, unique compared to United States skate parks, um, but I'll have a good time there. Um, the scene there is thrives really well. There's... There's a lot of French guys, and there's a lot of dudes that are in France that are very, very talented at scootering. Yeah, I love, love, love Machiavelli. Like, their their video parts, uh, Iris Motion, he does the, the videos. He, he, does my, he does a favorite editing out of any 
scooter rider filmer like his filming and editing with charles Badell and stuff amazing so Fr france i think is super cool with how they do their videos and uh just the the look of france mm -hmm. iceland is beautiful i've never been but i've seen pictures I i've been there so many times but never f for like never outside of the airport they used to have like this, they used to have an airline called wow airlines and it was so cheap to fly to Iceland, but now they're they're bankrupt. Um, but yeah, I've probably been there like ten times. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you go before me, let me know how Iceland was, because I've heard it's very beautiful there. I've heard it's just very expensive, just because of so many everything has to be imported. Um, and I, I'm curious how the scooter scene is there. I know there is scooter riders there. Tommy Dang went there, and I think he met up with the scooter riders. I'm pretty sure there's a shop in the main city yeah yeah so there's like an indoor skate park and a shop so hopefully there's a lot of scooter riders there nice <clears throat> um i don't know one of my biggest goals within scootering is to visit the smaller scooters communities around the world that are just like randomly scattered i remember when i first found out that scooter riding is very popular in like madagascar or little little islands off the coast of Madagascar. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's like incredible that scootering has reached there. But it's only because those countries have been taken over by France a long time ago and all the native people there speak French. So they were able to tune into like French media and oh, learn about scootering because everyone speaks French. And it's just, it's interesting because I feel like when scootering like when there's a scooter YouTuber out there. I don't think there's any of them yet, but one day there will be a scooter YouTuber who's from Japan who becomes popular in Japanese media, and then he's able to like encapsulate like a whole group of people. I guess Sago is that guy. Mm -hmm. um, and what's cool to me is like one of the biggest French YouTubers in the entire world, like or in all the French demographic of YouTube, is this guy named Scoot to Street. I think mm -hmm. he's like the seventh largest French YouTuber, like in all the entire country. He rode he's for like, Undialed for a little bit, didn't he? What? Did he ride for Undialed? I think he still does. He still rides for he, he rides for Undialed. Um, but it's it's crazy, just like how many kids, how how popular scootering is amongst French speakers, just because the media has latched onto the French media has latched so much onto scootering. And I'm just waiting for, for, like, the English media to do the same. And then beyond from that, like, the Indian media and the, the Chinese media and just other, like, I, I'm waiting for there to be scooter content in all of those different mediums. So that way, like, like it can really become this worldwide sport mm -hmm. because scooter, like, the scooter is such a good transportation vehicle that it would have the ability to... Um, and plan itself as a way of commuting, um, but then grasp the attention of people who would want to do more with it. And I feel like that's a big reason that like skateboarding hasn't really taken off in third world countries. Like you can make a dirt scooter. You know what I mean? Like somebody could ride a dirt scooter over a distance, but it'd be harder to ride like a skateboard or like a mountain board. Like it does, it's not really like it doesn't really have the same translation. Like you go to third world countries, you'll see bikes. You know what I mean? You'll see bikes that people use for transportation. The next logical step away from a bike and still have it be used as transportation is a scooter. It wouldn't be a skateboard. So Thrasher, I don't know if you've seen the video. They went to Africa and 
skated and gave kids skateboards and stuff. They did. Yeah. But those skateboards aren't very usable. Yeah. They're usable within small little areas. But I feel like where scootering has the ability to make huge, huge strides within, like, changing people's lives. Like, I feel like a big reason why Thrasher did that was just for, like, public entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was just kind of a PR stunt, if anything. It's like, we're going to go to Africa and, and give away these skateboards. But I feel like a scooters could just naturally, like get implemented into their their culture and be used as like a tool and not just be like this little spectacle thing. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking about the, the building skate parks and stuff. That would be so cool to build a skate park in Africa. And you were saying that you want to go to those, you know, third world countries and, you know, do that kind of stuff and go to the smaller areas that, you know, don't have that. Mm-hmm. I think you could, uh, you should be the first person to be that person that goes to Africa and gives the kids scooters and, bring some dirt scooters to these to these kids mm-hmm. and you make a video out of it too not make a pr stunt but you know i don't know maybe if you have bigger funding eventually you can build them a skate park yeah and bring them scooters that'd be so cool imagine you went to a small little town in somewhere in africa and just built them a skate park and gave them all something to ride all the kids but beyond from that, something that they, like, if they don't just want to do stunts on it, they could actually, like, use it as, like, transportation around their exactly. little village. And dirt scooters. Yeah. I and can totally imagine, like, a little kid riding around on a little dirt scooter around his town. Yeah. See, same. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just, I feel like that's that's a huge avenue that that scootering has the, p- the potential to go. Um, that's I think it's going to happen in the future, but we're just not there yet. You know, it just takes time. Mm. yeah so uh i feel like i brought up germany a lot i feel like i should kind of yeah, tell me that, tell yeah. me about germany so i was born there and i moved away when i was two so then i went to uh to the u.s and lived in sacramento grew up there went to germany every summer i graduated high school and as soon as i graduated i went to germany for three months to visit my family and live there for a little bit and I basically brought my YouTube along and made videos throughout Germany, all the skate parks I went to, the travel, the trains, just everything that has to do with Germany. I encapsulated in my in my GoPro videos and all the travel there. So that's kind of what the, the whole Germany thing was. And uh, before that, I just, you know, did skate park videos in Sacramento. And now I'm on the scooter trip with my friend uh, Landon Allen. And uh, as soon as I got back from Germany, I was here for two weeks, and then I instantly hopped on the road and uh, traveled. Think of all the places we started in um, SAC, went to Orange County, stayed with Anthony Logs, and then SD Street Jam, then Vegas, then here, then back to Vegas for the comp. So that's kind of our plan. And after that, I'm going to head back home and actually get my license and stuff and then what's after that after that is back to az for the isf comp and i have a photo shoot and then back home and then i don't have anything planned so are you and landon both going to be going to that comp uh no because the isf thing is uh more through fusion so i have oh, are you sponsored by fusion yes i read for fusion oh, i didn't know that Really? No, I thought you didn't ride for anybody. <laughs> no, I ride for Trinity Pro Scooter Shop and Fusion Pro Scooters. Gotta get your boy Landon there somehow. I know, he's complaining about it. 
<laughs> but it, it's just hard because I have to like stay with the fusion boys and stuff. No, I feel that it makes sense. I've I actually asked too. I did ask if he can come along, but there's no space. Sadly, I felt really bad. <laughs> All right, so competition happens in in uh, Tucson. Then what? After that, I don't have a plan yet. I think I'm gonna stay in SAC and try to uh, actually work on my business and you stay in Sacramento for a little bit because being on the road, you can't really do as much as you want to if you're not at home in peace and being able to be on your computer all day and stuff. Yeah. I feel like you should go through that struggle though. What of just traveling and doing it? Just keep going. Like why not? Cause money funds are running out. Did you, if you, you just gotta be strategical with it. I dude, I'm, I'm the first person that I'd talk to you about strategical. I've been running off of peanut butter sandwiches. You just got to create gaps and fill them. Like, here's what you got to do. You finish up your fusion trip to to uh, to the comp in Tucson. Get back from that. Be like, all right, you'll look. Fusion. I'm going to go link up with Hunter Frost. And we're going to go to somewhere to meet up with our other fusion team rider and i'm gonna film and edit a youtube video of all the boys and you're gonna pay for it and this is and then you have to just put together like a plan like you have to you have to formulate a plan you have to create a gap and and then fill that gap with the skills that you possess is this and what you did with the the juju tour this is what i've done with everything within scootering like People are like, you've accomplished so much in scootering wheel. It's like, yeah, I've just created most of it. You know, the, like I've I've created avenues that didn't exist before, and then now those are standard avenues, like repost pages, repost for example. Pages, yeah. It's like that's like an area within that's like an accepted way to like get notoriety within scootering, and like somebody had to do it first. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. And it's like. You just got to, like, figure out – I mean, that's just, like, how anything happens in life as, yeah. as a human. It's, like, that's how any invention is made. I remember Clayton told me that, like, there that <clears throat> the, he has this, like, massage gun, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, there was no there was no one that had the massage gun. There was no version of massage gun that, like, that could be used um, or that was, like, made that was convenient, that had, like, easy-to-change batteries, like – Everything, all the technology was around this dude who have in, who initially created it, but he was the guy that like pulled it all together. Mm -hmm. And you just got to do that with like anything that you do. But you got to use your sponsors, you got to use your connections, you got to use the aspects within scootering that you're developing, and just create opportunities that don't exist yet that you can then like benefit somebody else. You know? Yeah. So. I'm always I feel like I'm pretty natural at being like with leadership leadership skills. Um I'm always the one putting on events within Sacramento, you know, uh premieres for literally video parts and uh ride days and things like that. I'm normally the one that puts those together. I've been telling Fusion like, yo, Sacramento scene doesn't have that many scooter riders with good parts like let's get a ride day out there and actually get these kids parts. And we did that and stuff like that. And I'm always trying to put on events like that with help of other, um, you know, sponsors too, like Trinity Infusion. They help out. And then uh, recently, uh, I know you guys know Boof, Tyus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he actually rode back in the day, quit for a while, started riding again recently. 
this past year or two and he's started his own brand banana and mm-hmm. stuff and he's fi- he's finally another person that's actually doing something for the scene locally so you know that that that's cool to actually have someone else that that does it too so i feel like i've actually talked to uh my my team manager for fusion you know because me me hunter and nate penny ride a lot and we could easily me and hunter could easily just get on the road and just film a part exactly we've literally talked about it before so easily can be done after after that because plans are open exactly yeah scootering is such a, an interesting thing in this reality i feel like it's such a new developing it's like one of the few i feel like communities i feel like all communities are always liquid but this is one of like one of the more liquid communities where like there's still so many like big big things in the framework that still have to get made that like anyone can do it you know what i mean like i feel like within other more established industries it's like there potentially is not as much opportunity and there hasn't been as much like done and i feel like for a lot of people that's like a detraction from scootering where it's like oh it's just not that developed yet but for me the way i look at it i'm like oh it's not that developed yet like there's so much that you could possibly make a career out of if you just create opportunities for yourself and I feel like that's what we have to ultimately do as a community if we want to see it thrive and succeed is there has to be enough individuals out there who create opportunities that they know they could fill. Like there's so many like development, like there's so many like um, areas within scootering that we need like programmers, for example, like potential scooter apps in the future, um, pot- potential scooter, other, other ways of sharing media through scootering. All of those are like potential jobs that people could fill mm-hmm. and businesses that could start, but it's it's just going to take time. That's yeah, just all it, it is. It does. It takes time. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. I was super excited for this. I'm really into podcasting, so podcasting sounds kind of weird. I'm really into podcasts, so uh, I religiously watch your podcast uh, also because. Uh, it's about scootering, which is my passion. So it's pretty cool when I got the text to come here to do this. So absolutely, I, I'm well, very thankful. I've enjoyed having you on, and uh, I'm sure the rest of the listeners out there who are scooter enthusiasts will enjoy your perspective on things. Thank you all for watching. I appreciate it. Please like, comment, subscribe. Until the next time, see you guys. Bye bye. He said it for me. Peace out, guys. <laughs>